Hi, I'm Susanna Kalchich and you're listening to Life in Practice podcast. I'm curious about the big questions in life and how we can experience more meaning and fulfillment every day. Join me as my guests share their challenges, successes and what it means to put our purpose, our values and our lives in practice. Hello and welcome to Life in Practice podcast. This is your host, Susanna. And today my guest is Hena Khan. She's a customer experience expert and a public speaking coach. Welcome, Enna. Thank you, Susie. Thanks yeah. for having me. And uh, she's a good friend of mine as well. So um, I'm really excited to have you on here today. And we actually met although this is how we uh, connected was through our shared um, public speaking journey and um, we both met at the same uh, the same uh, Toastmasters club and um, yeah maybe let's let's just start there how did you how did you end up there because you you know you you seem like very like confident like full-on but it wasn't actually it wasn't actually always all like that was it no, not at all. Um, so Toastmasters was actually not a planned experience for me. It was because I had done a presentation in a new role with my boss. And during the presentation, I just felt so nervous and anxious at the thought of doing really well. And after the presentation, my boss said to me, He didn't pull me aside. He said to me, um, you know, you're a really good presenter, but I think you could do really well if you went to Toastmasters. And he had been a president at his local club in Islington. And he was a is a good presenter. And I'd seen that, you know, the confidence that he had. And I thought, well, if he thinks it's good, he's been a president. I trust his decisions. So why don't I try it? And I think he had tried to get a few other Uh, colleagues into Toastmasters and they had gone and they thought well uh, it's not right for them but I went as you know and I loved it so it's just this little community like you know Susie of really friendly people supportive and you feel really safe and yeah I just uh, it's it's very much a life-changing experience for me. Mm, Yeah yeah same for me I can definitely agree with that um so can you take me back a bit um because you you went there um initially because you had a social anxiety um can you talk to me a bit about that yeah of course I can so going to Toastmasters I didn't realize that the club itself was a club that was specializing in people who uh had you know a stammer or social anxiety and going to the club Lots of people were saying that they had social anxiety and sharing their experiences of being super nervous, not able to speak, you know, scattered minds and thoughts when they were asked to speak impromptu. Um, So then I realised actually the feelings that I've been having of feeling isolated, feeling like I don't have a voice, feeling like I can't be myself was all connected to what was going on in my head around this anxiety and yes it happened a lot in social settings so in settings where I wasn't familiar with the people I was speaking to it may have been a social setting um, 
you know, we say social anxiety, but actually it wasn't just social settings. It was being in professional settings as well. So people who may have been more senior than me, people who I really respected their opinion of. I thought they're super intelligent. I don't want to make myself look stupid in front of them. Um, you know, even at sometimes being, you know, in a, a new relationship at that time, thinking actually, what does this person think of me? And feeling like I need to say things in a really confident, structured way that make makes me look like I know what I'm talking about. So the link between me going to Toastmasters and what was going on in my head was just super timely. It just was right for me at that time. And then... Um, kind of the kind of practice at Toastmasters is exposure isn't it you keep on practicing 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 you hone in on whatever is stopping you from communicating and you do that with people that are experiencing the same things as you and then you get better at it so for me the social anxiety played a massive part in stopping me from achieving things that I wanted to do later on in life um, and you and I have spoken about this. It wasn't something that I've always suffered from. You know, I'm I have been super confident my whole life, really. Um, and that might be because, you know, I've got an older sister. I'm the younger, cheeky sibling. You know, I get away with a lot of things. But then when I turned 35, mid 30s, you know, everything changed, ended a long term relationship, new job new relationship, new home, you know, new circle of people that I, w- I was meeting at the time. Suddenly, all of these changes hit me at one go. And I was then mm. like, what do I do? Like, who am I? What do I stand for? What do I want to um, to really achieve? Uh, and and that's when it was like, ah, I don't know what I'm doing kind of thing. And in my head, I was internalizing all of these thoughts that were, um, you're not good enough. You're not going to be able to achieve this. Don't go for it even, you know, don't even try. <laughs> mm. And that's when Toastmasters was the place to help me. But we've also spoken about being in an environment that you have a, a circle of people who are your support network, be that your working relationships your boss your colleagues who are a massive support um family obviously a massive support and then your your partner you know you've got to be in in tune with your partner focused on the same well you don't have to be focused on the same things but actually focused on the same goal is super important I think Mm. yeah and I think um what's um interesting about your story is that um you've experienced this kind of loss of confidence and anxiety at a um later age because um because most people tend to be kind of carrying things like from their childhood or they had more difficult experiences growing up so Mm -hmm. it's really interesting to hear that actually you know it can happen um when you are older yeah definitely I think that um, you know, mental health, we are affected every every day by what's going on in our head, by what's happening in our surroundings. And it can be just a flick of a switch. Something happens where one day you're super confident and the next day you're like, oh. Yeah, you can swear by the way. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not super confident. I'm not the person who, who 
I have been in the past Mm -hmm. and it's just what plays in your head those internal messages that you have play out in reality so when did you kind of realize that your like self-talk or your mindset started to kind of take you downwards you know because you because uh, we spoke earlier like you know you're you're like really confident and like at the age of 27 you're already at the head of a uh, of a uh, department in your workplace mm-hmm. um so you seem to be like a, a real strong um um uh, really strong upwards uh tra- 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 trajectory mm-hmm. and then um how how did those thoughts start to to like creep in for you that okay Mm. maybe you don't have what it takes or maybe this and that because I imagine like maybe it's kind of was it like a slow process for you or was it just like one day it was just you know it was kind of all it all um uh hit you at once Mm. yeah I think that firstly I think where it's coming from is from a place of wanting to achieve more because if I was happy staying in the same place then I would be happy being the same person and not evolving. So I think the, the the kind of expectations that I have of what I want to achieve for me and my family is not uh, not where I am, if that makes sense. Like I always want to do better. Um, me and my partner have conversations about this all the time. What is our version of success? And his version of success is different to mine in terms of, you know, we are in a okay place at the moment, but actually I want, you know, more things and and he wants more things, but we kind of are like, I I, I would be okay having a flashy car, but he would be like, no. Um, so we kind of meet halfway in, in the middle and determined by our means, of course. Uh, so, so firstly, it's what is someone's definition of success and are they happy to stay in the same place that they have stayed in in the past? And if they're not happy to stay in the same place, which is what happened to me, then you have to challenge yourself with what you, what you do, how you behave, um, as a person and what you can achieve. And, and therefore, if you're not in a place where you think, actually, I can achieve what I want to achieve, you then think, oh how do I get to that place and a lot of times people don't know how to get to that place and that's where I think with me it started to internalize of I'm not good enough I can't do this you know there are people all around me who are achieving things in my mind and I'm not why why not so this whole journey hasn't been like an overnight um realization that yes you know my communication my anxiety uh, my confidence um, needs to be changed it's been a journey of really putting myself out there you know with Toastmasters going in super nervous being sat at the back um, to then you know working my way through the ranks at Toastmasters because there are ranks in terms of levels and you know skills that you can learn in the different roles um to to then becoming a president of the club and you know what really happened was in my life in work whatever I was learning in Toastmasters or at work were really really aligned so the more confident I got you know in one place I was getting more confident in the other place so it wasn't like 
I was wearing a mask. It was just slowly, bit by bit, I was able to go that little bit further over a line that I thought, actually, that's really uncomfortable. I don't want to go over that line. But I just kept on going, kept on going into that uncomfortable zone, um, exposing myself, I guess, to to being not ridiculed because I don't think the people around me would do that, but but getting it wrong. So you have to be willing to get it wrong, to fail, to then say, actually, I've learned that lesson. Uh, you know, next time I'm going to do it like this or next time I'm going to try this. And yes, I might fail, but at least at least I've tried and at least I I can say that I've been there. Um, and I think that everything in life you know, at the moment I'm struggling to do exercise, you know, put on a bit of weight, you know, because we're eating all the time. We're at home. The fridge is just there, you mm. know. And so it's like, how do I get back into a healthy exercise um, routine? So I am really struggling to do that. So bit by bit, it's like seven minutes a day of, you know, a bit of exercise, then 10 minutes, then 15 minutes. So at the moment I'm at seven minutes. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. It's, it's a good start. But um, yeah, just like um, when I hear you talk about um, this feeling of, you know, you have your idea of what um, uh, su success is. And then you're kind of always kind of um, like yearning for um, a certain point in life or to achieve a certain thing. Um, and the issues that that, that that can have an effect on our um uh, mental health yeah. kind of this need to constantly improve to, to you know always like reach this goal and that goal mm -hmm. i'm just wondering maybe um if there's a uh balance between self-acceptance but also kind of pushing yourself to achieve um that next goal or you know or whatever it is that you want to experience mm -hmm. yeah there's definitely a balance because I guess that for me what's happened during covid you realize what's really important you know it's family it's experiences it's memories it's all of those really important things that when you get to your deathbed you're not going to think oh yes that brilliant uh, watch or that brilliant you know room in that house with that fantastic wallpaper you're not going to think of that you're going to think of your family your loved ones um, and the memories that you share with them so for me I think there is an absolute balance and you know I I guess for me I've always felt a responsibility towards my family and so in order to work really hard I then achieve certain things which enable me to do certain things with my family and so it's a cycle of okay well I'm at work so actually I can't really see mum and dad um, or my sister or my nephew because I'm really working hard tonight but you've got to be able to say and I've got to be able to say actually you know what there's a line to this I'm going to walk away and this time is for my family. Um, so there is an absolute balance, Susie, but it's realising that balance. And I think that for a lot of people, they will only get to a certain level of, um, they will get to a certain level of success and then they'll say, I'm here, I'm where I want to get to. Now I can take my, you know, my foot off the, the gas a little bit and enjoy it. And that's where we kind of are, 
now although we're not where we want to be we're kind of like well actually what's the point of having you know I don't want to sound like I'm boasting or anything but what's the point of having you know property your money tied up in property when actually you can go and enjoy that money with your family or help your family to do things that they want to do as well um and that's where I'm at like I'd rather enjoy my enjoy what I've achieved now because when I'm 65 I'm not going to have people here in my life that I have in my life today that I can enjoy things with so it's been a real game changer in terms of my decisions on how I spend my time and spend you know the success that it's not masses of success it's just my own success that I've achieved in my life up until this point Mm -hmm. with my family um and that's what's important so I have to stick to my guns now because I've said it you know I've said that I want to do this I want to you know I want to go and buy a house in Italy I want to you know support my family you know I want to do certain things to get them to where they want to to get to um in order for them to be happy as well Uh, but they have to do their own work to some extent oh yeah of course yeah we're all um responsible for our own happiness yeah we can't we can't put that responsibility on others yeah and expect them to you know do everything for us yeah and we can't do everything for them but we can definitely help we can definitely you know and this is the whole thing of you know if you look back I don't know about your background you know too much but my background was um you know, family came over to the UK in the in the 70s. Mum's from the Philippines. Dad's from Kashmiri, uh, Kashmir, Pakistan side. Um, so they didn't have anything when they came in the 70s. You know, they basically worked their asses off and didn't really get anything out of that because the jobs that they worked in weren't, you know, highly paid jobs. Uh, Dad was a head chef. Uh, mum, you know, she was a mum uh, and she had lo- different jobs, you know, admin jobs you know call center jobs types of thing um so for me having an ability to support my family and make sure that you know my nephew has things that I didn't have that is important to me because I want to you know I want to uh make sure that what I'm learning or what I'm earning is not just not just Mm. for me it's actually for for my family as well so um would you say that um that uh uh growing up kind of in a uh working class environment like you know your parents came from different different countries and different cultures mm-hmm. has that been kind of a driving force for you then to mm. reach um yeah or like to aim for high uh high success yeah definitely so I as a uh, you don't really realize as as you grow up the kind of opportunities that you that I have had compared to my mum and dad uh you know English although they both speak English um mum's very very good English dad's not so good English but you know it's English and he he can you know perfectly fine communicating with people um but uh, I have had the opportunities because I have been born here. You know, I understand certain things that they may not understand because I see things through the lens of being, you know, 
someone who's born and raised in in London you know London in itself is a you know West London (laughs) you know it's 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 my kind of perspective that they won't have and therefore I've been able to to get things um that they haven't been had the opportunity to be exposed to you know um and I and I'm sure I haven't had opportunities that other people have had the opportunity to be exposed to here for sure yeah and I was gonna say something you know um some people may perceive kind of growing up in a in a um in a working class environment or you know having parents from a um from a foreign country they might see that as a way you know as a as a reason to hold them back from what they from what from what they want to achieve Mm -hmm. did you ever feel that way or how did your mindset Mm. around that it's really interesting because I never thought it would hold me back at all um so I born and raised West London council estate upbringing people on the estate you know very much like me you know, Asian people, black people, white people, Chinese people, all sorts of people, an eclectic mix of uh, diversity. Um, School, exactly the same, you know, very, very diverse um, because we're in London, you know, 40% of people in London are from black and ethnic minority backgrounds. But um, at the same time, in my career, I've seen different industries have different... um, different people so you know I've worked in retail very diverse in retail I've worked in you know the digital space uh you know I was at Amazon for a while very diverse again I'm currently in property not so diverse so for me I think where you're asking the question did I realize that you know my background was different did it have an impact on who I am and what I do yes up to a certain point um in property so you know being in those other environments you kind of don't think because you see people and you're like oh the ceo is asian okay you don't even think about it but then when you're in a space where actually you are one of the minorities that's when you realize it and then you start to think okay i am a minority and actually there aren't any people like me who are at a senior level what what can I do about it or you you could go what can I do about it or I can't do anything about it Mm. there's two perspectives of of what you can do because although you're not I'm not I keep saying you but although I'm not um I don't have a role model an Asian woman or you know there are some Asian men but at the but you know just talking about top level I don't have that role model in my workplace, but I do have women who are role models in my workplace. And actually I do have men who have characteristics that I actually really like, that I think, yes, I like that care that you're giving to your team members, or I like that, you know, level of professionalism. Like there's things that I can take away from different people. And then I remember actually one time a lady stopped me, um, a friend of mine at work, she's become a friend, um stopped me and she is uh from uh, an afro uh caribbean background and she said to me Enna, i see you all around the office 
stomping around. I know when you're coming. Um, but she said it's really inspirational to see you doing what you're doing. And I thought, God, like I can be an inspiration to someone. That's the difference. You know, that's the difference. So if I say I can't be bothered anymore, like I keep knocking on this door, it's not opening, I'm going to leave. Then I, I then as a business, we lose that role model figure in me that I'm giving to other people. And it's not just me, it's any woman, any, you know, woman of colour who is, or man of colour, who is at that level that thinks I can't be bothered anymore. You know, I think you have to judge it on the basis of the environment that you're in. So if you keep knocking on that door and actually think it's edging, you know, open little by little, then stay. But if you actually think it's completely closed and you think it's not going to open, even the letterbox is glued closed, then you know, you need to rethink being in that company because because there are opportunities out there. Yeah, and I think, and when, you, like, if you do leave a uh, company like that, it's eventually going, like, it's going to be their loss because they're going to lose on the rich, um, on the rich diversity of, 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 of their, of their staff and of their team. Yeah. And everything that which 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 that brings 100% like and I think that's a really um uh positive thing to be as diverse as we can because you get all these different ideas um uh uh perspectives and you know it's much easier to then um to um to really I suppose um um understand mm -hmm how people feel in their own experience and we can all learn from each other yeah and just having those really clear um uh uh conversations yeah is so important definitely to be open about things and and, and and what we're experiencing what 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 we feel like might um well that could potentially um uh hold us back Mm -hmm. from achieving things that you know we know we can but then there are things be it in 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 a certain w w in a certain workplace environment mm -hmm. which unfairly holds people back yeah I'm really lucky because I think that where I am in my in the business that I'm in um is supportive of diversity yeah I know that in terms of um, change, change can take time. Um, and I think you have to play it if you are a person who is trying to drive change in your business around diversity, I think it's important that you understand what you're trying to achieve. And I think it's important to make sure that the leadership team are on your side because if they're not on your side and it's just lip service and a tick box, then all of your hard work is gonna go into, into the bin. Um, if you put your name on something, um, especially as something as important as uh, race or, or faith, then you need to make sure that it's gonna drive change. And, you know, there's lots of talk at the moment in terms of, you know, our businesses doing things just because. And it has to start from the culture, from the leadership. 
Um, and the best way to do it is to to commit, get the business to commit to certain things that they want to do uh, with you, with an expert, you know, maybe get some external support that you can commit to as a business to say, actually, we're going to set some metrics against this. So at every single level within the business, we are going to do X, Y and Z in order to get more diversity. In order to get these metrics, we're then going to, you know, change the recruitment process or we're going to change the training program program uh we're going to look at the communication that we're sending out and the more open and transparent that the business can be about this commitment the more accountability there is and the more accountability there is the more demand there is from the business in order for them to achieve what they've set out to do so it's super important i think if you're going to put your name to something to make sure that it's not this we're doing it just because it's the it's it looks like the right thing to do. Yeah, no, it has to be real. Yeah, real, real change. And you've mentioned there about you know being more creative. So mm. where you have a diverse, uh, you know, workforce, you then have more creativity, and um, yeah, there's a commercial value in having a diverse, uh, you know, workforce because you get more ideas more ideas bring you more opportunities and then you know it's more commercially um commercial commercially valuable but not only that I mean businesses now are um seeing that clients their customers are wanting a more diverse workforce so you look at you know I was looking at um Sharon White who I absolutely adore She's got no idea who I am, but she is the the chairwoman of uh, John Lewis mm. and she's done some amazing things across her career. And, um, you know, she she's starting from the inside. Look at the inside, look at the business and then, you know, filter that out to to customers. And I watched a video of hers. I think it was on YouTube and she said something about the television um, and film industry and she said you know BBC are um, they need to you know stay with the times in order to make sure that their customers are seeing diversity on screen and you know Netflix and these younger businesses that are you know really super successful are making sure that they do that so the BBC has to compete on a diversity level with these businesses otherwise they're going to be like you know bye-bye BBC mm. uh, that's not that's not impossible yeah for sure um but I suppose though though you say like they 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 should you would kind of think that um a uh business would want that you know yeah Not just like what you say just to kind of tick a box it's actually well no it's actually it's it's a good thing it's it's something that you would want to do like why would yeah. you not want that you know yeah I I do agree yeah. with that I think though that there are these echo chambers in businesses where you know it is white stale and uh, male white male and stale I think it is um and you know they're like well why why do I need to we're super successful why do we need to well, actually, it's, you know, imperative that you do, because if you want to be here in, you know, 10, 20 years time, then you're going to have to. Yeah. And it's just kind of we also got used to kind of uh, to, to hearing like one voice, you know, 
Yeah. This kind of male white voice has been very loud for a very long time. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. It's definitely, <laughs> it's time to hear some, some other voices. Yeah. You know, just on, you know, just as much as we hear the, the white male voice, you know. Yeah, 100%. I think, I think so. And I think it takes, it takes commitment. Mm. You know, I hear people say to me, I want change but I'm not willing to do the hard work. And yeah. and that really annoys me. I know that I shouldn't let it annoy me, but it does because I think, well, then don't complain because if you want to do something, like the minute you go, I'm in this, you are accountable because you're part of that change. So if you're not happy with how things are running, are being run, then be part of the team that makes sure that the people who are running it are doing it differently mm. um and I, I and I've only come to realize that recently because I was one of the people that was like oh this is this is stupid like mm. why do we do things like this and then I was like actually no I want to be part of this so that kind of commitment and it's hard work because a lot of the times people in their workplaces or whatever environment they're in have to do another job Mm-hmm. You know, they have to do their other job as well as driving another initiative. But it just depends on how committed you how committed you feel you can be to that cause. Mm. But um, do you also feel that, you know, it's also the um, the responsibility of those in charge as well to take on that cause rather than just um, leave it? to to those who are trying to uh, to fight that cause if you know what i mean it's almost like um like i feel like the if you know if we kind of broadly very broadly kind of speak about like the the idea of the the white man surely it's his uh collective uh responsibility to um to you know take well to be uh to be um uh, um accountable for the yeah. role that they collectively play rather than yeah. just expecting those who have been um like whose voices have been uh suppressed like it's up to them to be like, oh you know hear me you know yeah it's like well shouldn't it kind of maybe be the the um the other way around yeah because they're in the in there they're in those high up uh uh they're in the high up uh positions they have the power yeah I do I think that's a really good point important Mm. point and I think that you're right um I'm not saying Mm. that we should alleviate all responsibility from people who are leading I think the leaders do have responsibility ultimately for this yeah um but what I have seen not just in the business that I'm in but in other businesses from my friends and people that I speak to is that there's a lot of uncertainty around what should be done or could be done so it's a bit like you need the support and the kind of uh investment from that leadership team and that investment can lead to you know an external person supporting you because if you don't know what you're doing then you need that external expertise but then you've got the voice of actually someone who's 
in it who understands what's happening or who has got the ear of other people who might be too scared to come forward to then work with that group to help drive things forward so what we're seeing there is this collaborative uh effort from people that isn't one-sided because if you did have one side then you would have this whole leadership team who actually don't understand what's going on on the ground and how it's impacting people making decisions that then impact these people that then they go oh why did you do it like this so it's you need everyone working together um now this responsibility thing is a massive thing because it's like people on the ground are like I don't know how to do this why are you asking me to do this I'm not an expert and then that's why you need that expert who's totally you know got that kind of gravitas got that presence to say to this leadership team this is wrong this is what needs to change and this is how I advise you to do it Mm. so it's it's everything and then you've got the leadership team that are probably like this is a big investment but you you know you've got to be able to say this is why we think this is the right thing to do with this investment because if you don't then you're going to lose x amount of people who will go to these companies that are diverse Mm -hmm. and you're going to have to end up spending more money anyway so invest so that you can keep these talented people in your business um yeah so Mm -hmm. i think it's there's no magic formula i think each business is different and I'm by no means any expert at this, mm-hmm. but it's just from my experiences of what I'm seeing at the moment and people that I'm speaking to that I feel that there's this uncertainty, there's this kind of push for, we want things to change and then we need this whole kind of ex- expertise. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, someone, uh, a business or even who's done something like this before that can say, you know, this works, try this. Mm. Yeah, that's great. And um, but also what you said as well, kind of how you um, inspired your um, uh, colleagues as well. I think those things are are really um, important, too, because you had that uh, uh, confidence in yourself to to like um, to go for the roles that you want to try to break down that door. Yeah. So it does take um uh people like you as well to have that courage mm-hmm. and to inspire um others and to show them look if i can do this you know you can do this like we can all do this yeah definitely i think that you know if i look back to um 5 years ago when my confidence was at a real low i couldn't have said to you then that i would be doing what i'm doing now just that internal dialogue that I'm saying to myself, you know, every day, you can do this. This is what you're going to achieve today. You know, just that kind of confidence of internally speaking to myself has had an impact on how I achieve things on a day-to-day basis. So in terms of breaking down doors, I think that it starts with, you know, from what you're saying to yourself and what you think you want to achieve. Now, I haven't always, like five years ago, I wouldn't have said, you know, I'm going to be, you know, trying to try trying to drive with with a group of people, you know, a race and faith initiative. I wouldn't have said that. No way. Like me. Like, how could I, you know? But you kind of find yourself in these situations where if you're not going to do it, then who the hell is going to do it? Um, 
and actually you feel strongly enough to do something that you're going to put yourself out there to do it because the purpose the cause is bigger than yourself and so you think well I'm going to do it because it's not about me anymore like you know five years ago it was about me standing up in front of people doing a presentation will they like me will they you know you know will I will I succeed will this you know help me with a promotion will this help me um gain popularity you know now it's like well I am who I am who I am who I am which is what my partner always says to me you know you are who you are you can't really help how other people feel about you you've got to just feel good about yourself inside um and make sure that that works for you and if it does work for you great if it doesn't try and figure out why not um and so in terms of breaking down barriers, I think that I've had to put myself out there, had to make myself look stupid sometimes, um, but learn the lessons from from that. Mm. So if I was to say, like, let's say there was a um, young uh, woman going through the same kind of experiences that, that, that you were going through, um, what would your advice be to her? Like, you know, when when you have all these, you have these dreams, but then at the same time, you feel like you have all this self doubt. Uh, how, like, what what would you advise and say? Okay, like, where's a good place to to um, start? Mm. It's hard, isn't it? Yeah, because I think that there's so many things. Um, I think if there was a young girl who was um who was like me let's say if I was talking to my younger self I would say figure out what you want yeah that's so important be clear on yeah not just like what you want but also why you want it yeah the, the Simon Sinek why yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love a bit of Simon yeah. um why yeah so why do you want something what do you want um and how do you think you can get there and, you know, I remember one of my first speeches at, at Toastmasters, which is the icebreaker speech where we talk for five minutes on ourselves. And I think that, you know, I said that I like making lists. <laughs> I have like a post-it note. I have like a Trello list. Of, but it's important because if you understand what you want, yeah, why, like you say, why you want something, and you kind of can figure out the steps of how to get there, then you that's your plan, isn't it? That's yeah. your plan. Because if, say, your your purpose is, I want to get a really good job, you know, I want to get a really good job to support my family, to be able to get out of the situation that I'm in today um, and live the life that I want to live, you know, that, that the purpose is... Um, because because you see you have people who have perp who have purpose who say my purpose is to help people okay mm. fair enough that's your purpose but if your purpose is actually I want to help myself I want to get out of the situation that I'm in so that I can help the people around me um and live the life I want to live then that that is a really good purpose for you to understand what you need to do next. So I want to have a really good career so I can help uh, have the life I want so I can 
help the people around me okay so what kind of career do you want what skills do you need for that career you know how can you get those skills who can help you with those skills you know can you speak to someone say you don't have any money can you speak to someone and say can I get some experience you know just yesterday I contacted my plumber who has been my plumber for 10 years who I absolutely trust and I asked him if he could support someone who I know who's been made redundant and help them for a week to get some plumbing skills you know it's it's okay that person wants to be a plumber okay there you go a week's free experience for you yes the plumber gets a free helper but this person is starting from scratch so it's what kind of small things can you do to get to where you want to get to and I honestly do think you need to write it out you write it out so that you've got it written down so that you can refer to it and you might not refer to it for you know six months but you can look back and go that's what I said I was going to do that's where I am today what's gone wrong (laughs) (laughs) I did not I did not contact that plumber no but you know what I mean at least it's written down and because because in here it's all a bit of a a mess isn't it Mm -hmm. it's all a bit of a mess sometimes you've got to clarify what it is you want totally in 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 your head and writing things down can help yeah I completely agree definitely it really does help to write things down but um, also you might find quite a lot of people, well, actually, I'm not really clear on, you know, because I have all these, like, I, I'm the kind of person, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that, I have loads of different mm-hmm. ideas. So how would you start to get clear on um, on what it is, like, to find out what it is that you actually want to do? Because, you know, like, you know, we also have loads of different ideas, things that, 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 yeah, we, we, that we want to do. and uh, Yeah, I think it's really hard. So if I look at my career, I wouldn't have said that, you know, that I I would be doing what I'm doing. So I work in customer experience. Um, You know, we're doing public speaking, coaching, you know, we coach people. Um, So my point is that I think you need to find out what it is you think you're good at, what it is you enjoy what it is you would like to do um and it's not that you have this open box all the time because you know opportunities don't always come to everyone and people who do get to do what they do and they really love it and get paid you know really well are really really you know fortunate and hardworking and whatever their situation is is, is it, you know meant that they've landed in this place but it's really being realistic it's being realistic it's looking at your skill set looking at what you enjoy doing and looking at the opportunities around you to get to what you want to to do and that's you know my my way is speaking to people you know speak to different people contact people on LinkedIn you know you'd be surprised about the amount of people I've contacted on LinkedIn who have been willing to help me who've been willing to say yes I'll give you an hour of my time to talk you through this and even if you can't find anyone who might, you know, be uh, open to, to giving you time, they might be able to recommend someone else to you who might be able to support you. Um, and you might want to find yourself a mentor, you know, someone who can help you. A lot of people don't like the title mentor because they feel like it's a responsibility. So maybe just have a casual chat with some, you know, someone who you respect and admire 
you know, once a quarter, have a coffee, keep yourself, you know, on track with them um, and just make it really casual rather than a formal mentor, mentor mm-hmm. and mentee relationship. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's really, really, really good advice. And just one thing I would ask, though, is um, you said like the importance of uh, being able to reach out to people. Uh, people I think that's that's so key but then a lot of people and I think probably maybe yourself at one point kind of you know you also need to have the uh confidence to reach out to those people because I know with myself sometimes I think oh well I don't really want to message this person I don't know like they're not going to have time you know you have all this kind of self-talk although they're not going to want to talk to me you know yeah so how so can can you talk to me a bit about how how to get the confidence to reach out to people yeah are you are you <laughs> just kind is, of don't care just like <laughs> steam ahead just for let's me go for it. I mean I it's different for me I think because I'm more like what do I want to achieve at the end of this um so what so an example of this is I've seen uh let me see how many times I've done this actually <laughs> I've seen a job that's been advertised before and I've gone okay this is the company name this job's advertised. I'm not going to go through the normal route and apply for this job. I'm going to go on LinkedIn, contact the person who runs the business, or it might not be, it might be like the department head and say, look, I've seen this job. Uh, I've got this experience. Can we have a coffee type of thing? And um, it's worked in my favor. So that person has then contacted me or then I've contacted the recruitment company if that person on LinkedIn hasn't contacted me. And I've said, look, I've contact- I've seen this job. I've contacted this person on LinkedIn <laughs> and I'm just waiting for them to get back to me. And then that recruitment company's like, oh my God, let's get onto this straight away and let's contact the company. Because then you get, you know, they're like, oh, they- she's contacted the company and they want to make sure that they're that they're dealing with the company in the right way. But that's because I had that experience at that level, right? I was probably 30, 30 something. If you don't have the experience and you are unsure what to do to contact people, I think you do need to go in with a bit of a strategy, which is for me, it would be contacting them in the best way that you can. Um, LinkedIn's quite hard because it's quite impersonal and people do get a lot of LinkedIn requests. I've been quite lucky with mine. Uh, So I would see if you could find a way of speaking to them if you can. I know that's really hard, but um, if not, then sending them a LinkedIn message or sending them a message to their company with a bit of background about yourself. What do you want to get out of that relationship? You know, maybe it's not even asking for a relationship at that stage. Maybe it's just a bit about you, about I'm, you know, I'm in this position. I really admire what you do. I want to gain skills on this. I just wondered if we can have a quick coffee for half an hour um, or a chat for half an hour with everything being virtual now. Mm. It's easier for people to commit to that now because they don't have to go anywhere. It's a quick Zoom, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just think about what you want to, like why you mm. want to do what you're doing. That connection with that person will help you get to where you want to get to. Um, you're protected because you don't even have to meet that person face to face it's on zoom so you know now's the time to do it Mm. (laughs) go for it and and try it and see if it works and the more you do it it's the easier it'll get 
That's so true. And I think what really comes across to me from what you're saying, the importance of like being like super um, proactive, like mm-hmm. you can't just kind of have this like dream or idea and just like sit back and kind of hope for the best. Yeah. You really need to grab each chance you have and like go for it. 100%. Me and my sister are complete opposites like that. Yeah. My dad, when we were younger, he'd be like, would you like 10 pounds? You know, and I'd be like, yes, I want the 10 pounds. My sister would be like, no, dad, it's fine. I've got a bit of money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like we were completely opposite in terms of the opportunities that we would take. So um, I would say, you know, take every opportunity that comes your way if you think it's a good opportunity, you know, judge it. But but take, you know, if you think it's good for what you want to achieve and, you know, goes back to your higher purpose, then go for it. Um, but go out there to find those opportunities, you know, ask people for things. I'm sorry, but I have asked, you know, I've asked for pay rises. I've asked for the job title change. I've asked for um, the things that I want. Um, and I've been knocked down, you know, a, a load of times. But I, you know, and then, then I've made a judgment. Okay, I've been knocked back. They've said no. Do I want to stay in this place or do I want to go? Are there other opportunities out there for me or is this opportunity worth sticking with because it's going to help me get to where I want to get to in the long term so sometimes you don't get what you want straight away but actually it might take two or three years for you to get what you want to get in that company it might mean that you need to gain more skills in order to get to what you want to get to but but don't forget learning skills is a value in itself because that's then priceless because those skills help you to get to the next level and then to the next level if that's what you want Mm. yeah that's so true and like and and then with with what you said about yeah you might try for things you might go for it and it might be a no but you have to keep going yeah and understand why that no is a no yeah you know why is that no no is it because I need to get better at certain things well tell me what that is because then I'll you know go away and work on it if that's what you want to do Mm. um And you're always going to be tested. You know, is this what I really want? Is this career the right career for me? Am I good at this career? Um, And and those are a test. They're a test to, you know, are you going to get to where you want to get to? And what are you going to do with that no? And I I just think every time I get a no, that it makes me work harder. It makes me work harder and makes me perform better. Um, And sometimes I've taken no's and I've just gone, fuck you I'm not gonna stay here yeah I'm going mate you're, you're not worth it you're not worth it yeah um and I hope I've made the right decisions in fact I know I've made the right decisions because the businesses where I've said no those businesses have then not been very successful um and I and I actually think what you were saying earlier about leadership the integrity of leadership and the people around you is so important because if you don't believe in your your boss or you don't believe in that overall leadership of the business then I would really question why why you would stay in that place because that has an impact on on you because it then cascades down to your integrity you may not know it but it will cascade down and to your decision making so I I would say in the places where my bosses haven't been good leaders are the places where I've gone I'm not staying you're not worth it totally a hundred percent I completely agree with you on that that's brilliant 
Um, but now I just to because uh, we've talked about quite a bit about you know your your workplace, but now you're also branching off um to do uh public speaking coaching as well. I am. So what's been the inspiration behind that? Um, I imagine it's like you know the the experience of having being scared to to present in front of people or to to speak to people who are in um in uh, in in authority mm-hmm. and then now you kind of have you have you have you have the confidence now yeah to be able to do that yeah I do it's a growing confidence though yeah. Susie it's not you know overnight you know oh wow yeah I'm gonna make you a star you know it's not that it's it's yeah. very very subtle and I think that one of the things I've realized is that for people I've seen who are successful, I've kind I've in my head I've gone, why them? Why not me? And then I've thought, I can do that. I can do what she's doing. And there's nothing that is stopping me apart from what's up here. And so I've realized through speaking to people about public speaking and their barriers it all starts with what's in here and my the reason why I started the public speaking business is because I know that what we've been through is say the journey that we've been through the practice the the pressure of having to do a speech or um, the excitement of doing a speech and it being a success is something that can be learned. It's something that can be practiced and people don't need to be stuck in a corner feeling like they have to put up with stuff because they don't have to put up with it. They can they can get out of that corner that they're stuck in and really, really develop themselves. And it all starts with what's in here. You know, it's that communication, that internal dialogue that then needs to just really permeate through your whole body and through everything that you do. Um, And that's why I'm doing it, because I want to help people. And I know that what we've done with people so far, because we're doing our own thing together, Mm -hmm. is helping people. Definitely, definitely. And I think what what you said there as well, like, yeah, it has to start in your mind, but it's not only like what you you say to yourself, it's actually how you show up, how Mm -hmm. you... Um, behave like yeah. that. That's like the real key. Yeah, you have to actually do the work. You have to do the work. You have to be committed because it's you know this whole thing of turn up once a month, do a presentation the next day. The presentation was a success, but actually, what's happening? Ninety percent of our dialogue is impromptu speaking with people. What's the perception of people when you're speaking with people on your day to day? Um, and this whole thing of showing up, I think is super, yes, it's important, but show up and be your authentic self, you know, be who you want to be. That's my view. <laughs> it might not be everyone's view, but be, be who you want to be. Um, and I was talking about this with Trevor, my fiance last night, that we as two individuals, people of color in environments where there is mainly, um, you know, white, white male people running the show, We've had to not conform, but we've had to really be considered in the way that we approach things. So we've had to, you know, there's been times where I've 
you know, I'm much more relaxed in the way that I go to work now because our business code, uh, dress code has um, changed. But, you know, when you work in a corporate environment, you're in these kind of stiff dresses, you know, it's not who you really are. It's you're wearing this kind of power kind of outfit in order to be uh, seen in a room um that is full of men or to have a voice you know so you you kind of have to you, you have to um have a balance of what's right for you in the environment that you're in and really be authentic to yourself so uh, you know I was saying to you the other day that in my 360 uh review one of the feedback uh one of the f- pieces of feedback was Enna's got her own strong brand but I think she needs to consider how she speaks to to senior people sometimes, which is fine. I do get it. We do have to make sure that when you're speaking to different people, you're adapting to, you know, who they are, their discode, whatever that is. But I don't want to lose myself and I'd rather be myself than than be someone else. Um, And I'd rather lose that opportunity for a promotion if it means that I have to be someone else. A hundred percent, yeah. I completely agree with you, definitely. You have to be true to yourself. Yeah, So, I, and I don't think that's what they were saying, really. Maybe it was more about my communication rather than, mm-hmm. you know, trying to change myself. Mm-hmm. But I do think that if you're not yourself, in your communication even, and yes, I, we know we need to change our communication depending on who our audience is, but I fear that if you do too much of that, you then lose your sense of being comfortable with yourself. If you lose your sense of being comfortable with yourself, you lose your confidence. If you lose your confidence, people won't believe in what you're saying because you won't believe in what you're saying. So I, I feel it's all connected. Yeah, that's really powerful and so, so true. Um, well, wow, we've had such a great conversation. We could keep talking <laughs> so much more. So really really great topics but um yeah it's time to um wrap up now and um i'll just ask you like my uh questions that i ask every guest at the end and Mm -hmm. um so what have been like some of the key uh practices that have helped you to um to overcome challenges and attain success Mm. i think my key practices are to believe in my drive so drive for me is really important so I I really believe in in commitment in terms of saying what I doing what I say I'm gonna do um so for me an example of living that in practice is really getting the job done do you know what I mean to 150 percent of my uh capability so I I don't shy away from work. I roll my sleeves up. You know, I am, I could pay someone to go and do, dye my mum and dad's hair, for example, but I will go and do that myself because I'm committed to my relationship with them. I want them to have nice hair. (laughs) You know, I will make sure I go and do that or my sister will go and do that, you know, but it's that kind of seeing things through to the end. If you say you're going to do something, get it done. Um, And, you know, no one's a robot. Like, you know, you wake up in the morning, 
you're like, oh, I can't be bothered. <laughs> I can't be bothered today, you know. But it's that sense of what's going to help you get to where you want to get to. Have your off days, but get back on track as quickly as you can. Um, so, yeah, get stuff done with your drive. So keep your drive focused. Your drive is all, again, we start talking about this, you know, this mental stuff. So, you know, if you feel that you're falling off of your your plan, um, off track with your plan, go back to to where that drive is. And for me, it's, you know, I do a bit of meditation. Meditation for me, you know, was something that someone else did in some really nice field somewhere. Um, but it's, you know, a couple of minutes every day, wake up, deep breathing, really, really simple meditation technique. You could do it in the shower, you could do it on the train. Uh, for me, that just helps me to feel grounded. Um, so that's a simple practice that I do every day and um, helps me with my drive and then to get things done. Um, and I would say that my other point in terms of how I achieve things is talking to people because it's not all just about me. It's about the people around me, getting people's opinions of what's right, what's wrong. Like I have been in the past um accused of just getting things done on my own you know and and yeah I'm right I'm right you know but listening to people and seeing what they think is is that you know what's the right way of that in their perspective because you get more ideas and you get more people to say this is what would work and then you get you get better a better outcome that way mm. yeah that sounds really great and um, what do you value most and how do you put it into practice? In terms of materialistic things or that? Well, like my a value, so something like, you know, my idea behind the the question is like we have these um, values like love, um, uh, courage, mm -hmm. um, integrity, you know, so... What I want to know is like, instead of having them as conceptual ideas, how do we actually live them in practice? Mm -hmm. So like, what are the, like the values that you would reach to, you know, mm -hmm. to keep you going? Yeah. And then how, how would you practice those? Mm -hmm. I think that mine, everything for me boils down to, to my relationships with my family, especially, um, and I think that for me, commitment, uh, love um, and care are really important to me. And I live those in practice by making sure that I, well, I don't always live them in practice. Sometimes I, you know, finish work really late and I'm meant to be going to see my family. And I've been like, really sorry, I'm going to have to see you another day because I've had, you know, to do this. Now, I, I try not to do that. Obviously, now with me working from home most of the time, I'm not having to do that. But, um, and I found it more productive to be, at ho to be at home. So I have more time to get stuff done. But it's being committed to, again, what you say you're going to do. So I want to make sure every week I see my family. I've got elderly parents. I try and see them twice a week. And I'm going to make sure that I do that. 
Um, so an example of that is today we've got a social walk with Toastmasters. You know, I'm not going on that social walk because I'm taking my mum out, you know, and that's my commitment, uh, my love, my care that I show in practice by splitting my time in a way that makes it work for what I want to achieve, but also being able to still see my my family as often as I can and enjoying time with them. Um, yeah, so so that's, and you know, in day-to-day practice, it's, you know, caring for the people that are around me, I guess. You know, how are you? What's going on? You know, caring. And you might not always be able to help, uh, but just showing that you care, I think, is really important. I think it all starts with relationships. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. Relationships are key. I think there's a really good quote, something like, um, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. Yeah, that's, that's a really, really good quote. Really it's true. funny, isn't it? Because, you know, if we think back, um, I mean, I don't know what you think you, you, about this, but I kind of feel that there was this kind of sense in the 80s or 90s where, you know, a boss needed to be a certain way you know, this horrible boss, but that doesn't work anymore. And it doesn't work with relationships. Any relationship that you have all starts with care and empathy. Um, And that's what will make you successful because people will buy into you as a person. They won't buy into your product or what you're selling to them. It's who you are. Um, And the same for, you know, the relationships. I kind of struggle a lot in the past with, you know, do I give you know, if if your boss is calling or your mum's calling, which phone do you answer? Yeah, if you've got two phones. Yeah. If you've got two phones, you're quite lucky. You're doing well. Yeah. But um, <laughs> which one do you answer? In the past, you know, it would have been my boss. But actually now it's it's my mum. Mm-hmm. You know, fat, and I know that sounds really weird, but for me, that's what's important to me. Of course, yeah. Um, And, and that, drive, that drives me to, to kind of do what I do. Mm, amazing I, I really love it thank you so much Anna thank this you it's been great now if someone would like to find out a bit more about what you do uh, where is uh, the best place to find you oh that's a good question uh, I think that the best place to find me would be on Instagram mm-hmm. so it's shine bright mm-hmm. speaking mm-hmm. is the handle yeah um, so I'll yeah. make sure to include all, all of your links and stuff Thank you. Thank you, Susie. It's been great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much, Anna. And I can't wait to see um, what more um, you'll have in store for us. We'll have you back on to hear um, what's coming up next in your journey yeah. uh, later on. I can do my uh, seven minute uh, abs workout with yeah. you the next time. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much, Anna. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for um listening um if you enjoy this podcast please remember to subscribe and if you think that this episode um would be beneficial for someone uh please make sure to share with your friends otherwise um i'll catch you next time Bye.